Second hour of the People Show coming to you live from the traveling Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. People Show brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. Mention we're traveling today over at Nat Bailey Stadium. Nooner at the Nat, getting ready an hour away. Spokane in town against your Canadians. We're having a fantastic season. One of the members of the Canadians pitching staff joining us now, Adam Mako. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're uh, having a blast here. Always uh, fun to be at the ballpark and yes, uh, get to chat with you guys. Uh, we were just chatting with you before uh, we, we start this year. Uh, fantastic performance again for you on uh, Tuesday. So uh, nice to be back. And uh, the days in between after a good performance are probably a lot easier. <laughs> oh, yeah. They go by so much faster, too. Then you're just itch itching to get back out there and keep it rolling. So, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, what was important uh, that game against Spokane for you? Just uh, uh, It was 11 Ks? Yeah, I think um, I've been kind of figuring out my routines as the season went on. I feel like I'm in a good spot where all I need to focus on is keeping that pitch-to-pitch -pitch mindset and treating every pitch as, as its own and not letting things kind of snowball. And that's when you turn like maybe a leadoff single into next one, two, three instead of kind of snowballing on you and a couple walks or hits or whatever. The thing about this level is that uh, I mean, Canadians fans were so used to this being rookie ball for so long and having guys – come in and having their first pro experience for you it's been a, pr a progress you know you switched organizations in the off season but this is really the first summer where you're you're at 18 starts now about twice as many as you've done as a pro how was how is managing that you know we talk you just talked week to week or start to start when you look at it big picture what's this season been like in, in taking that step and being a guy that, that's starting basically throughout the whole summer. Yeah, it's been super exciting because that's something that I've been battling, obviously, in the past is being able to stay out there on the field and, and really honing down on this this offseason and trying to prepare my body as best as I can and and having the Blue Jays to kind of guide me through that with my throwing program and my lifts and stuff like that has been awesome, and I think I'm in a, a great spot even this late in the season. And, yeah, it has been exciting. Like I said, I've been building my routines and, I feel like those that I have right now are, are very um, uh, reliable and, and things that have been work, working for me. So it's it's been definitely something new be, being out there for 18 starts, and I love it. Like I love it gets easier and easier every time I go out there. It's a lot of fun building those programs. You know the. the Obviously, the team has a certain say in, in your development, what they want to see. Uh, what's your input level of, of where you want to take it as well? Yeah, I mean, I've always been like the type of guy to do my own research and try to see like what else I can improve on and do something differently. Um, but I think the biggest thing for for the Blue Jays is just for me to stay consistent. And I think I've done a lot of my own input in the past, and I've learned a lot. And throughout that, um, has helped me a lot, but now just kind of keeping it the same has been the biggest goal. So it's not so much uh, what I'm doing as, as long as I'm doing the same thing every day, I think is the most important. When you get to this level, there is something to be said about balancing the results that you're getting immediately versus your long-term development. And I have to imagine that before you get to the pros, you're, you're just going out there and you're trying to get results. You're trying to get noticed. You're trying to put yourself on the map. But then when you get into the development program, you got to balance those things. Where is the challenge in doing that where you have to maybe commit to some things as a pitcher that you know will help you long-term as you develop and go up the ranks, but 
maybe there are some difficulties in, in the game-to-game results because you, you really do have to commit to the idea of, hey, this is something that's going to be this is something that's going to be good for me long term. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of comes like, is it the chicken or the egg? Like, you get the confidence, or do you stay? Um, do you, do you have to get good first to mm-hmm. be confident? I think it's definitely the confidence comes first and having that trust to take that leap. And like, when things aren't working out. Um, you kind of evaluate, be a good self-evaluator, or even when things are working out, you might just be getting lucky and be understanding like this is still something I need to work on, or when things aren't going well and I'm doing everything right. Um, that has been my biggest challenge in the past in my career. I've always been a tinker and trying to figure things out and change things from start to start. And people always told me it's like, oh, you can't do that. You have to stay consistent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, whatever. Like I'm, I'm gonna do my thing. But I'm definitely starting to realize the importance in that and. It's just trust, really trust in yourself and trust in what you're doing and that you did put in that work before, and, and I certainly feel like I did, so made it a little bit easier to trust it, but it's definitely when you get a couple bad ones in a row, it's hard not to start start looking at if I'm doing something wrong. But I've had I've had great coaches here and great coaches um, with the Mariners in the past that kind of opened my eyes to it and be like, listen, like whatever you're doing is great. You just have to do it over and over and over, you know? Is, is, is that tougher as a pitcher rather than a, 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 a outfielder or, or a batter? Because I imagine, like, you're in control. Like, the game goes through your hand, literally. The play can't start without you. Just that element of, of you have to release a little bit and then step back. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard because you have one – I mean, as a starter, you have one outing a week. Yeah. At least I did this year. And so you have a lot of time to think about what you're doing, and it's really easy to change it. So I feel like – being a hitter, you get an opportunity to go out there again the next day and, right. and or next at bat. Yeah. Um, as a pitcher, it's I feel like it might be harder to kind of keep that same mentality throughout and not not tinker a little bit. In the same vein, uh, having the the teams had a lot of success this year, and I, I have to imagine that that maybe makes those ups and downs for you feel like you're. You're you're still contributing to the bigger parts of the the goal, the team stuff. Like it, it, it must be easier to buy in when other players on the team are having success. The team's winning. You guys already clinched the playoffs in the first half, so the second half has been a lot about maintaining that level of play and preparing yourself for the playoffs. No, absolutely, that's a great point. It's it's definitely a lot easier to not be upset about your outing when you hit a walk. Like there was a outing I had here that didn't go the way I wanted to but then it ended with like a walk-off home run that uh, Spain hit or something like that and then you get all excited and you kind of forget <laughs> about all the, your outing or everything that you've been pouting about it's all about like the team mentality and, and winning and it's hard to be upset when that happens so it definitely that's a great point it's been a lot easier to to feel good about what you're doing when you're you're not hurting the team and you're, you're still contributing in some sense for you personally uh, what have you built upon this season from where the start of the season to where you're at to where we are now that you're proud of something that's evolved in your game definitely the consistency piece i would say is number one and my attention to detail and um i mentioned a little bit before it's not so much like what new am i doing or like um what the new wave is but it's about like how much attention can i put into this one simplest thing and do it to the best of my ability is there an example of of the Um, detail even catch play like in catch play like not just trying not just throwing to throw and to warm up but every single time you collect yourself you have a thought okay i'm throwing this fastball to his shoulder and and really feeling the ball out of your hand being like okay i try to throw it there this is what i felt this is my next adjustment and you miss a lot more pitches throughout a catch play than you realize when you start really paying attention to it or when then i realized and so once i did start paying attention to it and increase my catch play which i do every single day that eventually will turn into the outings 
you as a pitcher obviously have a lot of things to, to keep on your mind when you're going into a start, the opposing lineup, the things that you feel good about in your game going in. Um, how do you check in on those things, like the, when, when you might feel like you're drifting or when you, when you know that you're doing something well to keep going back to, to the stuff that's working? Yeah, that's, and that's something I've been, I've been challenging myself with throughout the season is I, I needed to realize what are the things that I actually need to do and what are some of the things that I may be doing that don't help me or hurt me but are kind of wasteful and just trying to keep it as simple as possible and um, really understanding myself, my body, what I need and... and it's a lot of trial and error, so it's it's not a perfect science. But once you find something that you believe helps you and you continue doing it, it just makes you feel better day to day. Uh, there's like two weeks to go here in the season, and then uh, things get going for the playoffs. Uh, mm -hmm. What's the mentality right now for the uh, club uh, with these last uh, two weeks to go? Oh, we're all we're all pumped up. We we can't wait for the finals. We keep uh, keep checking on who we might play in the finals, <laughs> and it might come down to the very very last series. So it'll be it'll be exciting. But we're all super hyped up. We're excited to have something to play for and to to win. Well, you, we're excited to here. We gotta let you go. Uh, your busy day, obviously. Uh, enjoy the day, and uh, hopefully we'll connect soon. Uh, getting ready for playoffs. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. It's Adam Mako joining us here, booth side uh, over at Nat Bailey Stadium as we get ready for uh, a game against Spokane coming up uh, at 1 o'clock. Tyler Zickel will have the call. Hunter Gregory, your starting pitcher for your Vancouver Canadians. Good chat. It, it's always interesting to see the prospects um, have that big picture mentality of, you know, th there's obviously you want the team to have success. But this is very much building towards something. Yeah. And you have to hit certain markers throughout the course of the season but still have the big picture in mind. And it's it's that constant struggle of, hey, am I making progress? And uh, the one small step takes me to something bigger. Yeah, well, you said 11 strikeouts in his last start. And that was something that he'd been in this league before, mm -hmm. uh, pitched a few games for the Everett Aquasox, put up a lot of strikeouts. Like a guy that can, that can get out there at this level and strike out a lot of people. And his strikeouts are a little bit down this year overall because he has been figuring out some of these things that have allowed him to stay on the field more, contribute more in that way, but obviously still has that strikeout piece. There, there's a reason that when uh, the Blue Jays made the trade for te trade Teoscar Hernandez for Eric Swanson, he's in the deal. He's an attractive prospect because mm -hmm. at this level, the strikeout numbers are really good. This year, the strikeout numbers take a bit of a step back but are still – above a strikeout per nine innings so still in a good place not in the the 15 that he was putting up in a small sample before that but has and just listening to him talk about it seems to be in a pretty good place where here ramping up before the end of the season still got that he's still got the ability to get those strikeouts mm -hmm. but has made a lot of strides maybe in other areas of his game that will long term pay off as you're as you're making your way up here like the, the canadians now being an advanced a the players here are more advanced than the ones that we saw for, you know, two decades in the summer here in rookie ball where it was really their first time playing professional baseball. And that was very much an experience of like, hey, this is professional baseball yeah. now. You're not you're not really working or tinkering on these Your things. eyes are opening. Here yeah. you get a guy like Adam Mako who has played he's played in Fall League in Arizona. He's played multiple minor league system, seasons at this point. And even flipping systems, that can be an adjustment for players. So to have a season like this where a lot of the peripheral numbers are still strong, there's that belief in the long-term vision, and that the team is having success has to be pretty gratifying.
I'm going to use some names here. I don't want to say, hey, this is what's going to the future looks like for Adam Atko. But, you know, being here the last couple of seasons, uh, we've gotten our opportunities to talk to, like, a Manoa, yep. a Tiedemann. Just a, a couple of months ago, we talked to a Chad Dallas, and we see these guys get accelerated through the program. And just the level of detail and the fact that this club is having success pushing pitchers through, uh, you know, great indicator for what can happen for a player like him. Yeah, it helps uh, those players buy in. And, and see that long-term vision because it is tough. You, Adam talked about it a little bit. I've talked to baseball players about it and just heard baseball players talk about it as well. You put so much effort and focus into that one start. Mm-hmm. And if it's a bad start, then you can really start to wander. And all you have, you've got to wait Think four about or five days. Not even just the days after, though. You got to think of the four days leading up to it. Yeah. Now you're you're questioning your preparation. It's nine days wasted. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's, 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 it's there's so. I mean, it's why in the big leagues, the top end guys. It's why Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, at 40 years old, sign contracts where they're basically being paid a million dollars per start because it's not just about that day. It's about the preparation. It's about the the unwind and and taking the things that went well and and throwing out the things that went poorly. And it's not quite that at this level because there has to be that commitment to the long-term development, pitch sequencing, things like that. Um, it's, uh, it, but yeah, when the like when the organization has mm-hmm. some success and there, there are players that you can point to as, as having gone through that path, it makes it easier on an individual level. You have to remember a lot of these guys are coming from very disparate backgrounds, disparate places where they have learned. To, to get here in such different ways. So when you come into an organization, and this is pretty common now across big league baseball, professional baseball, teams have large philosophies for their pitchers, for example, that they want going all the way up and down the system. And that can be uh, specific types of pitches. That can be specific approaches of, of how you're going to attack hitters. And that does get passed down. And so sometimes you have to throw out the things that helped you get here to buy in. And, yeah, it's way easier to buy in when here, like you mentioned, Vic, at, at the Nat over the years, Manoa and Tiedemann, those are two guys mm-hmm. that were definitely at, at the top level there. But they had to, they had to hack it here first, yep. right? That is, that is always what it comes down to uh, in, in pro baseball. The, the, there's, you know, there's pretty much nobody that goes straight from – non-professional to the big leagues even even the greats have to go through the minor leagues and i know i know that's a big uh, a big reason that the canadians get big crowds here and get get a lot of investment because people know that they hey there there are players that have taken that path and it it's it's gratifying for the fans to be part of that experience oh absolutely and you know he mentioned just the someone hitting a walk-off home run the other day when when he's having a, a, a struggle uh, start, but when when other people around you are having success too, it's easier to see. It, it's easier to visualize your success coming uh, to fruition as well. The big club though, uh, having some struggles right now. Again, the the slip up again against Baltimore. We touched on it a bit at the start of the show, but uh, it rears its ugly head. Uh, a, a home run late, but not enough juice in the lineup. Well, and Baltimore's Baltimore's had their number, and I, I said I had, you know a bit of a rant earlier this week about Blue Jays fans and the way that they're experiencing it. There's a lot of almost criticism of Baltimore because their offense is on paper not as good as Toronto's. Toronto has a little bit more 
they got a little bit more run there. And then people look at the starting rotation. Oh, Baltimore's starting rotation is not as good as Toronto's. Well, Baltimore's bullpen, and Toronto has a good bullpen. Baltimore's bullpen has been elite. It's been a total difference maker for them. Those innings count the same. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, offensively, Baltimore's lineup knows what it is. Yes, they don't put up the same raw numbers that Toronto's does, but they it's such the baseball cliche, but they manufacture their runs. Yeah. They play with some excitement. They've got young players that can stretch doubles into triples, singles into doubles. They they really thrive off of that. Whereas Toronto was built as a power hitting team and they they just don't they don't have that right now. You know, we were chatting a bit yesterday uh, off air of treating seasons truly as silos. Because we do this thing, it's like, well, this stat is an indicator that there's going to be regression. But some teams are the outlier for a season. Yeah, it could re- it could regress next season. But for, for the context and the story of the 2023 MLB season, there's, there's going to be outliers. And you ride the hot wave as far as you can. And, and there's things that indicate the, the Orioles... Yeah, they, they could be prime for regression, but like there's outliers in the seasons, and sometimes you just have to look at it for the scope of, hey, this might be the, the situation that this season, they're the ones that get to ride that, and the logic behind a regression might not apply until 2024. And that reality that exists of looking at these stats and saying, hey, we can catch up, it just you might have to embrace the fact that sometimes there's outliers, and, and you've got to try to solve the problem yourself. Yeah, like Baltimore has had success with runners in scoring position and bullpen. Those tend to be things that don't replicate as well as having a strong offense or having a strong rotation. But in the games, in the results, they count just the same. Yeah. So it's on that. that's when the onus goes on the front office. We've seen this with the Canucks locally, where they've sure. had seasons where they outperform different metrics. And a lot of people, uh, I would put myself in that camp, go, well, this is great for this year. Uh, You know, the classic example was the 2015 season. The Canucks make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They play Calgary in the first round. And the feeling there was, look, you got a great final. Like, you know, the last gasp of the Sedins at their peak, top 10 scorers that year. You had a really good first pairing in Alex Edler and Chris Tanev. And you got solid goaltending that year. But the foundation wasn't there for that team. And unfortunately for the Canucks, management decided to double down on that. So when a team like Baltimore is in a situation where their strengths are not necessarily things that are replicable. They also do have a young, exciting lineup that you can project out. Hey, these guys are... Adley Rutschman is is still very early in his career. He should be this good or even better over the next three, four, five years. It's not like they've come out of complete nowhere. And I get it. When When you're a fan and you're on the statistical side and you're looking at the Blue Jays, and you're saying, hey, they've been built the right way. They have these homegrown hitters like Bichette and Guerrero, who are all-star caliber, who play at a high level. They've made the right signings in free agency. Up until this year, George Springer obviously had been Mm -hmm. an impact player for them. Kevin Gosman has been a terrific signing. Uh, Kikuchi and Barrios have bounced back. Those were outside acquisitions. Those things are all still true. But the team has taken a step back. And you can still say, hey, they were built the right way. Sometimes that's just that's just the way it goes. That's and sports. The, and a team like Baltimore <laughs> has their strengths. Again, they're not the things that you necessarily, if you, if you were planning out your team from scratch, 
I mean, that's the funny thing is, though, every team wants to have a great bullpen. Mm -hmm. But when then you have a great bullpen or a team, one of your opponents has a great bullpen, you say, well, that's luck. Not this year. <laughs> maybe next year they won't have a great bullpen, but this year they certainly do. And it's it's helped push them. And I mean, in baseball, you don't get those. You know, basketball, for sure. In hockey, I think you do as well. Those real litmus test games where you're facing off against an opponent and you, you get to set your you see where see where you stack up what level are we at in baseball it's a little harder to do because a lot of it has to do with who's pitching tonight what are the the scenarios the settings around this game but the two the last two series that the blue jays have had with baltimore baltimore's dictated play and that's way harder to do in baseball but it's just like it's it's just clear that they have a they have the upper hand on Toronto. Uh, so here's a scenario: uh, Jays a game and a half back of the wild card. Uh, we talked yesterday. The, the 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 schedule obviously changes here a little bit for the Jays. They play the Guardians later today, which uh, you'll hear on these airwaves later today after the Seas play Spokane. But we talked yesterday. It's it's this. Guardians, Nationals, Rockies, Athletics, Royals, uh, stretch coming up. I think I said, uh, I pitched it to you, 15 games. How many do they have to win? You said 12. Yep. Uh, does that uh, clock up now that we've gone through the uh, Orioles series? I mean, if they go 12-3, and three, they'll be they'll have to Better be, situated. They'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. and then the Red Sox are uh, up next after that. And so never an easy game. I know it's a downer season, but still, it's never going to be an easy game. But... Um, well, they've they've struggled against Boston this year. Yeah. Last year they dominated Boston. This year they've struggled against Boston. I guess that's the kind of thing you just get in division. Some randomness there, not necessarily matchup based. Uh, we'll see what happens in the uh, next uh, handful of weeks for the Jays. Again, uh, they are on our airwaves later today after uh, the Vancouver Canadians play Spokane a Friday nooner at the Nat. We are on location. People show uh, come by, say hi. In our breaks, uh, of course. Can't say hi while we're on air. Uh, a, a lot of people stopping by, uh, kind of peeking an eye over at Adam Akko, getting ready for... Uh, yeah, I uh, saw that guy pitch the other day. Yeah, What's he doing out here? Absolutely. Uh, again, uh, C's get going at 1 o'clock. Tyler Zickel will have the call on our A-Waves at 1 o'clock. Then you'll hear the Jays later today versus the Guardians. Actually, a full day of baseball. Mariners versus Royals later tonight as well. Join that game uh, in progress after the Jays... Uh, hopefully pick up a W versus the Guardians. Uh, all on the way later on the People Show. Before then, though, a lot of fun in the last segment. I will touch on the EPL, but also uh, we're kind of doing a modified Confession Friday slash mailbag. We'll jam it all together uh, in the final segment. You got a question? Send it into the inbox, 650-650. You got a confession? Send it into the inbox, 650-650. We'll do it on the other side. To wrap up the People Show on location today at a nooner at the Nat at Nat Bailey Stadium season, Spokane on the way here on Sportsnet 650. Final segment of the People's Show. 650, 650, be a part of it. You can chime into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Coming to you from the portable Kintech studio today. Uh, we're doing a modified version of uh, Confession Friday slash the Friday Mailbag. Uh, we're we're, we're going to jam them together. I, I guess we don't need both beds uh, back in the studio, Ben. Uh, 
Let's go with the mailbag bed to start, because I think we have more mailbag submissions than confessions. But send them in, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We got Dom here on location with myself, Bick Nazar, and Israel Fair. Uh, Dom, tee us up here for the mailbag. John and White Rock. Bick, why do you hate the New York Jets so much? <laughs> I, I, look, I it just, is an odd obsession. I said, what, three weeks ago? Yes, yeah, I said like that. Jets fans. That's why. Let everyone else do the bidding for you, essentially. Like just, just chill out. You guys haven't won anything ever. It's been been decades. We, we won Super decades. Bowl three. Yeah, it's been decades. You Can't remember that ever. one, Dom? De- oh, Super Bowl three. Yeah, what fondly, happened? Fondly. Yeah, what happened in the second quarter of that game, Dom? Um, again, there, there's reasons to be optimistic. I said on Tuesday they were the 11th team on my power rankings. Like there's reasons to be optimistic, but let everyone let everyone else do your bidding. It's too high profile of a team. You don't need to be talking smack at Garrett Wilson camp highlights because Aaron Rodgers is throwing. You, you don't know what a good quarterback looks like. So so let <laughs> let everyone else do your bidding for you and just just chill for a month. How many Jets fans do you know? Uh, uh, look, just between Twitter and everything like that, social media. I know enough Jets. Am, fans. am I the one? I know enough Jets fans. Do I send you highlights? No, but every time we're in studio, last like, year, no, you don't sk- You can't skate. Last year, this guy had his chest out when I came in to fill in for a oh, show. Oh, yeah, Zach, Zach Wilson, Wilson, crazy yeah. being Zach the Wilson. goat. No, yeah. I didn't say goat. I said he had that dog in him. Yeah, for another like, reason. They were two and two, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you conflated that and to be like, they had oh, seven wins before it fell off the rails. They're gonna go to the playoffs, and it's like, calm down. Just, just let everyone else do your bidding for you. Was my point. Jets fans cannot get out of their own. Way. Everyone yeah. seems to forget that before Brees Hall was just, injured, this team was on the fast track to just, get to the playoffs. Just chill. I, I'm not saying don't be excited. I'm just saying like, wait till week one, wait till week two, until we get to preseason. Why can't we enjoy it while it's here? Do it, but just do it in, in your own quiet time. <laughs> okay. Jets, quiet, never. Why would we but do that? But that's what I'm saying. It's like everyone will be excited for you. I don't think they will be. But wait till the regular season. Don't don't give the rest of the NFL world a chance to dislike you before the season starts. I like Because if it goes wrong, us. if it goes wrong, it's going to be so much worse. Well, we're used to it. We're the used fan to base that cried wins. <laughs> uh, Brad and Burnaby, where is Jonathan Taylor going to play this season? Dolphins rejecting a first-round pick today. Or not the Dolphins. The Colts rejecting the Dolphins' first-round pick today. I don't entirely believe that they... It, 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 was it a first-round pick? That's the report. Yeah. I, I'm going to say Indianapolis. Plays in Indianapolis. He's going to stay in Indy. Yeah. They'll, they'll settle it. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, What's his recourse? I mean, that's the, that's the problem with the, this running back market. Everyone wants to you know, give them more money and, and be like, hey, they're, they're high-profile players. They're big for fantasy, obviously. Thing is, they don't have a lot of recourse here. Like Saquon lost his battle, got a little bit of a, a raise. Josh Jacobs losing his battle. All these guys have lost their. Austin Eckler didn't get traded. They've they've all lost their contractual standoffs with their teams. It's really just like Kareem Hunt's the only one that's been available, but he was a free agent anyways. That's really about it, and he's unsigned. That's that's really about it. Took forever for Dalvin Cook to sign with the those New York Jets. I'll bet that he ends up in Indi- in Indianapolis again. Is he? You're part of this. you got to answer the mailbag questions. Uh, I'll, I'll go Miami. He'll end up in Miami. They'll make it work? Maybe it's like a week six thing, and like deadline comes up, and Indy's like one in five, and they're like, all right, now we'll trade him. Kind of right. like McCaffrey last year. Yeah. That scenario. But uh, to, to start week one, 
I say Indianapolis. Scary fantasy asset all of a sudden, though. Yeah. Because now, now you have this version, like, does, do the Colts want to hang on to him and protect the asset so that he's available for trade? Because if he gets hurt, that's the worst-case scenario. And if you're in a keeper league, you probably have him for a $30 or so. Do you want to keep that oh, asset not, on your yeah, roster? You're yeah, you're not. So that's him. a lot of salary. Yeah, you're not keeping him. Uh, we have a soccer question. Marco on commercial. Why would John Herman want to ever take the TFC job when the World Cup is coming to Canada in 2026? It's just leverage at this point. And we, we can do we could do two hours on the Canada soccer situation. Uh, he His stock is high. He's coming off of a, a World Cup appearance that's ahead of schedule for Canada. People were very excited about qualifying, which I wasn't sure I'd ever see in this country. And TFC is probably saying, hey, you will be the man here for three, four, five years. You get that guarantee. Yeah, the World Cup's coming. That's going to be three long years. And it, 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 it'll go by fast, but the way that everything's setting up with the Canadian soccer program, for, for it's going to be yeah. a long time. We just have Copa coming up yeah, but for, next year. For us from the outside, it might go by fast to be able to see, like, okay, here's the, the international break, and we see a couple of matches, obviously qualifying, other events, obviously. But if you're in it and it's this tumultuous, man, three years is going to feel like a long time. And it just – incidents are just going to stack and stack and stack, and you're going to have to overcome that. Like, everything ran smoothly heading into Qatar. From what we knew. Yes. Yeah. But, like, you're able to overcome them and get everyone on the same page. Now, not just fans want more and see goals and, and results happen at the World Cup. What happens internally? It's okay. We we carried the water for the program from, from a player's point of view for a handful of years because we were all bought in. Now if you get individuals saying, hey, we, we need a little more, which is already happening very publicly, and they're they're fair to ask for it, but as that happens, that's another thing that has to be resolved from uh, a leader in the program, and, and the touch point for the players is going to be John Herdman, who is this intermediary between the, the Federation and the players, and it's it's can be acrimonious for, for a handful of years. I, I don't know if I want to see him leave, but I would certainly understand playing the leverage game uh, and uh, make your move if, if that does materialize. Uh, basketball Bob, will Giannis find his way out of Milwaukee soon? So news today that he's uh, considering his options. And uh, he basically just did the Elias Patterson thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Want everyone on the same page. He wants an organizational check-in. He obviously has more power in that organization than Elias Patterson does. Um, And that's because he's won a title, and basketball stars just have more power than even the the biggest hockey star. But Milwaukee has, I think, always felt like – that's a distinct possibility. It's that small market mindset in basketball that you, you just fear that a star eventually is going to leave. And they, they won the title, but the last couple of years have been a little bit shakier, right? Like, coach, new coach now, he, he's, a young, he's still a pretty young player. Mm-hmm. So, and on crashing out of the first round, too. Yeah, yeah in kind of like an embarrassing fashion. And you look at the, these players, guys that are, you know, like, I don't know, 20, 15, 10 years ago, all the guys that were thinking about titles were, you know, the title chasers. Those were guys at the end of their careers. Yeah. That they were in their mid-30s. Guys are thinking that way at 26, 27 now. And they can think, especially a star like Giannis, in like two, three, four-year increments. 
LeBron, as he got older, just started signing one-year deals. And so now he's old and he said, yeah, I'll sign a four-year deal with the Lakers. That's fine. <laughs> Got to make my movies out here, man. But My programs. Giannis is thinking in that, that short term. We know how things can flip in basketball. So it's putting pressure. And I, I, I would be... I would be a little concerned if I was a Milwaukee fan, for sure. There's a LeBron element to this, too, where, look, he, it's, it's not quite as emotional as the Cleveland thing, but you won your championship in a smaller market, yep. and then you can kind of dust your hands and say, look, I gave this to you. Now I, I have commercial global impacts yeah. that, that go beyond that, and my marketing ploy, and it's easier to be a star in Milwaukee than it was 15, 20 years ago when it was like Ray Allen. Um but if he went to a New York, if he went to an L.A., if he went to also, a Miami. Also, where, where, where do you think it's easier to build the title team? Yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, I mean, just ask Dame Lillard right now. And yeah, and like Dame Lillard didn't even come close to winning a championship yeah. with Portland. And while there maybe is some portions of that fan base that are hurt that he's leaving after he, he's been – I don't even think it's his fault. He just became the symbol for a small market star who mm-hmm. wants to stick there, and he talked about it a lot. But when you look at, like, Portland is not going to be super competitive for at least the next three years. He's older than Giannis. You understand that push. So when it trickles down to a player like like Giannis, it, it makes sense that they – we talked about it with Elias Patterson and the accountability that he wants to see from the Canucks organization. He wants to see the results. It's it's really the same thing. And these players have a lot more power than they used to. Unsigned text. Hey, guys, haven't listened much, but hockey is coming now. Can you talk about all these new players that have been added and what impact they will have to how much improved we are from this time last year? Well, welcome back. I, I know we do have some people that check out during the summer and come back mm-hmm. uh, late August, get ready for training camp. Uh Obviously, uh, the big uh, moves on July 1 are the ones that stand out. Uh, Ian Cole, Carson Soucy, Teddy Bluger, uh, Pew Suter comes in much later uh, in August, but he, he's now in the team. Uh, the, the big one, I think more so than anything, obviously there's a defensive uh, element to Cole and Soucy that they provide, and it remains to be seen what level. But I think what, what they do more than anything is they will prevent – like a, a seven-game losing streak. Now now losing streaks might be two or three games because there's just a baseline of actual defensive play. It's no longer just saying, hey, Thatcher Demko, bail us out. You should get uh, guys who, who their lens of the game, their first filter is defense. And that's the thing I look at and say, like an Ekman Larson, Tyler Myers, like those guys are, are, are obviously prominent, capable NHL defensemen. They've, they've had long careers, but... Their, their, their first, to me, their first actions are always offensively related rather than someone like Ian Cole. Like, his game is, I'm going to provide physicality. I'm going to limit your opportunities to score. And what does that mean for our overall team play? Yeah, that that's, I think, a very good summary of the, the smaller changes. They've been on the smaller end, mm-hmm. uh, especially of these, these new players. But, you know, a couple of centers, a couple of defensemen, that help round out a group that if they're, if they're anything like they were near the end of last season, it, it is providing a bit of that cushion. Once you throw in, like, uh, Bluger, who, again, I'm very high on his defensive game. Pew Suter, so much to be made of what he can do defensively as well as a forward. I, I think there's an element of versatility that they can now win in different ways that it, it always felt like it needed to be a 5-4 game, a 4-3 game. 
uh, for the Canucks and winning on power play. At least now, if you got stuck in a difficult 2-1 game, you feel better about it. You feel better about it because you, you have guys that are more reliable. Like last year, and I, I think Sheldon Dries is an interesting offensive player, but defensively, like he was playing certain minutes that it just looked like there was going to be constant goal-scoring opportunities against because, you know, defensively, he, he struggled. But now, because uh, every game has its own personality, if you need to adapt to whatever the, the game is, uh, now they look better set up to do it with a, a Bluger, Suter, Cole, and Susie. But it remains to be seen what, what level of execution that those guys can hit. And if, if they're hitting at uh, 8 out of 10s, uh, then it's a big win for the Canucks, not just to nip those losing streaks in the bud, but uh, to adapt to different games and, and be able to chalk up some W's uh, this season and make their way towards the playoffs. Hassan and Burnaby. In 10-man league, PPR, it's written awkwardly here, scoring, uh, should I take Travis Kelsey 10A or am I out to lunch? I don't think you're wrong taking Travis Kelsey in the first round. He's got such an edge over... Because the whole point of fantasy is... Like, think of it as a matchup. Is is my pick in this position better than relative to the rest of yes. the league? And Travis Kelsey is significantly better than other tight ends. That's the thing. And and you're getting like a 8-10 point edge every week because you have Travis Kelsey. And it's not as if that wide receiver group is significantly improved. The thing I would say, though, I've, I've been a Travis Kelsey owner in the past. I do wonder if the Kansas City Chiefs – I've got to do more research on this. Uh, this is just me anecdotally providing this. Do your own research. I, I do wonder – I am research. I, I do wonder <laughs> if they uh, – <laughs> I, I do wonder if they, at the beginning of a season, give him more targets – and then protect his usage at the back end of a regular season because they don't want to overwhelm him for the playoffs. Because because they're a team. He's like, this such is, a beast, though. He won me my league last year. Right, but I'm just saying it's. Like, Good for but, but but he he had bad fourteen week fourteen fifteen sixteen like he had a, a seven week stretch where he scored touchdowns. Yeah, and then this usage completely changed for seemingly no reason at all. And I just felt like they, they confirmed their playoff spot, and they're like, okay, now we need to protect you because we need you. And then sure enough, come playoffs, yeah, his usage sure. skyrocketed again. So I think drafting Kelsey is important, but I also also consider the idea of like timing it right that maybe you, you maximize the asset and let Look someone at else. This. That's what I'm saying. Two steps ahead. That's Pick what I'm saying. I think if you want him for weeks. He is research. If, if you want weeks one to nine and then – you, you just cash in. I think that's an interesting strategy. But, again, that means you're giving up the tight end edge. Uh, Dom from White Rock, does Bick play chess or checkers? Uh, I used to be a big chess guy, but I haven't played in years. You didn't get that, did you? No. Like, I know you're Dom in White Rock. You're a different – you had a different – Yeah, no, I, I get okay. it. But I was, I was right. answering the question. I got it. I was just also answering Couldn't the question. Couldn't just have fun with that one, eh, bud? Yeah. Uh, for, last question, then we'll go to the confessions. Uh, from Basketball Phil, did you wake up to watch the, the France-Canada game this morning, and were you expecting this kind of butt-kicking? Not expecting it. I watched the fourth quarter, so – I caught up. They, uh, they, they had already gone on their big run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a pleasant – thing to wake up to this morning i'll say that basketball phil if you if you missed it uh opening segment we we, we touched on the, the start of it wall to wall yeah uh confession friday hey we had a couple more questions uh uh from twitter uh, unsigned gary unsigned gary yeah i don't see one here from unsigned all gary. right never mind i'll read them you uh, can read it unsigned gary 
Have any of you ever gotten a perm before? And would you dare confess it? Well, we know Bic hasn't. I, I haven't. Oh, uh, Discount I, Dracula. Uh, yeah, our guy, Discount Dracula. Um, I don't no, know. I have I've never. I What's the weirdest hairstyle you've had? Uh, full shave. Yeah, like I was going to say the same. Yeah. Oh, that's not involved Down, down to the, the, the Bic level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've seen, no, you had the M&M going, didn't you? No. Never? Like, like bleach? No. No? Oh, I could oh, see that, too. I, I, I thought you had that done. Uh, I, I did a David Beckham. Uh, Which one? There's so many. He did the, the Mohican. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And it, just, it was the not the hawk. I, I did I did for like eight hours. I was like, I need to get rid of this right now. I was young. I was impressionable. There's a great story of him going into uh, Old Trafford wearing the, uh, it's called Mexican Braid, where there are cornrows. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he came in and Fergie was like, you're taking that out of your hair. Yeah. <laughs> Started the match with uh, a buzz cut. <laughs> and then he got the uh, cleat to the cleat to the eyebrow. Yeah, I remember that. Famous story. Uh, Confession Friday, unsigned, of course. Uh, I'm the only one in the world who knows where Carmen Sandiego is. That's, that's strong. That's strong. I agree. Uh, another Confession Friday. I posted fake jobs online so I could build my own resume. Okay, so I've heard about this. People are doing this nowadays? Yeah. So rather than, like, go through the difficult task of crafting your own resume, just crowdsource the cool bullet points you want to put in your resume and post fake jobs. And uh, people apply. And you're like, oh, I want to use that. I want to use that. <laughs> I, I like building my resume. Group project resumes? Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. That, that That's work in the game. But I, I put a lot of work to my resume. So in 2023, the year 2023, and what we have now with AI uh, on the same train, it is very easy to just go on ChatGPT. Right. Type in the job that you want to apply for mm -hmm. and ask ChatGPT to build a resume using your work experience. And like it spits out like a sounds 10, like 10 you have resume. some experience here. Though. I tried it. Nice design. I tried it. I'm just playing around with it, you know. You shopping for a gig? What's going on here? Always, <laughs> always, always looking to improve. <laughs> the Bic. highest We're bidder. always looking to improve. Mercenary dog. Yeah, I, 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 you know, put in your own work. We, we only work two resume. hours a day, man. We got do, time. Do people still do cover letters? Is that still a thing? Uh, I don't believe so. That was always the stressful one. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoyed doing the resume, yeah. the cover letters, because I, I think you need to, like, a, a, a heads up for, for the, the people starting into the, the job force. Try to come up with a, a new cover letter every time. I think now you just put, like, a three-point summary at the top of your resume, and that's your kind of cover letter. That's it? I think so. How long How long would, would you typically write a cover letter? How long? Uh, 300 words? Yeah, page? Yeah. Yeah, I would try to you, do like three paragraphs. You're not paragraphs. trying to send an essay, three, right? Three, four paragraphs, yeah. Because if you're a recruiter, yeah, you're not you're not looking to read that long. The radio ones for me were always fun because I always had like certain lines I would use. Oh, but, like, do you have one at the ready? Uh, I think I always said like marrying the market I'm in. Oh, it's like, that was a big one. Oh, oh, oh. I, I, remember, I remember my first boss was like, because my first boss, like one of my first on-air critiques, got bad at me. He's like, "Oh, your on-air copy's not very good," and he still had my cover letter. He's like, "This is great writing. This is what <laughs> it needs to sound like." And I was like, "Dude, I, 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 might I, I was trying to get a job." Big yeah, guy. I was trying to get a job. I put my heart and soul in a cover letter. Today, just like I'm updating junior A scores. I, I don't know if I have the the same Blair? heart of, of like day-to-day -day grind. 
Uh, he's like, oh, the cover letter is what sold us to hire you. And I was like, all right, let's go. Appreciate that. Is that a high bar? Mike Tomlin-esque. Uh, last Mike part. Tomlin-esque. He had a great quote today because they're asking him Tomlin? about. Uh, yeah. I love Mike Tomlin quotes, man. He's the best. But they asked him today about uh, why the starters are still playing in preseason. And he's like, uh, can't box without sparring. <laughs> that dude. Just just a different level. Legend. It's a different mindset. Yeah. Uh, last question for you guys. Uh, also from Unsigned Gary. What is your favorite chicken restaurant? Including the non-franchise ones. I'm not a big uh, uh, like fried chicken guy. I have one, so I'm not sure if I'm the person to ask for this. I, I like a cheeky Nando's. Yeah, honestly, I, I I don't know if I've ever been to Nando's. I love Nando's. Don't cheeky know if I've Nando's, ever been. Man. Uh, there's a place in South Surrey called Chopstick Corner. Okay, and they make very good chicken karage. Oh, okay. Highly recommend it. Also, there's a place called, uh, is it is it Chico Chicken? Chico now? Chicken. Oh, okay. That's it's the new Korean uh, fried chicken chain. Yeah. They're quite good. What about like the, uh, like Mary Brown's? Mary Brown's. And, uh, and uh, Popeye's. Popeye's was yeah, the one. Popeye's is all right. Yeah, there's Popeye's near me. I never you know what you're getting, right? You know what you're getting. Yeah. It's that fast food standard fried chicken. Yeah, no, that's not my uh, my wheelhouse. Oh, we got more? My computer nope, died. That's it. All right. And we're out in two minutes. Can you read that one, uh, the buzzwords, what's going on there? You need buzzwords in the cover letter. Recruiters run it through software that detects how close it is to the job required. Oh, is that? That's just some, that's it? Uh, that's just some uh, advice. What are some good buzzwords? Uh, Married to the market, I'm in. <laughs> Dedicated Dom. Synergy? Is synergy, synergy. a good buzzword? Good buzzwords? Uh, what's another good buzzword to throw in your resume? Uh, team player? No, that doesn't seem like a good buzzword. No. Versatile. Versatile. Oh, versatile. Yeah. Dedicated. Dynamic. Multiple. Oh, yeah. Wall guy. Oh, that's for Canucks. So. Roll guy. Yeah. No, wall guy. Wall, wall guy, guy. Wall guy. Inside guy. That's if you want to get a job <laughs> on the on the Canucks roster. I'm big on pro. Uh, oh, productivity. I'm sure. Productive. Efficient. Multitask. Efficient. Efficient yeah. would be a big one. Yeah. Absolutely. Proficient in Microsoft Excel, <laughs> which no one is other than Vic. I probably honestly actually here's a mailbag question for you. How yeah. good are you at Excel? I think in like, terms of formulas, and like like probably like bottom twenty percent. Okay. I don't I don't like, I I can work it for myself, but it, it, if you threw me in, in like an Excel class tomorrow, I'd probably fail. Okay, I, I just have a laugh about because I do use I just find spreadsheets are easier to visualize things. Yeah, that's for me. usually what they're made that, for. That that that's why I use them more so than uh, Word docs or anything like that. But like yeah, I do use formulas and whatnot. But I'm not. Uh, like crazy good at it. Um, there's one spreadsheet I use every year for my baseball fantasy draft. I don't know how they do it. The amount of formulas they have in there, you input your roster, and then it, it spits out, um, like based on the settings of your league and whatnot, these are the players to draft, these oh are yeah. the players to look for. It's like, how do you, like, you have to put input all these stats. Right. It's crazy. Some equals, if function. Yeah. And it's, and it's just F3 a spreadsheet. Plus, yeah. It's just a spreadsheet. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, I got a text here. Uh, cover letters are just a chance to use your thesaurus and buzzwords. Absolutely. I applied for a job that needed Excel to be successful. I told them I was an expert. <laughs> did you get it? 650, yeah, 650. Did you, yeah, did you get it? Yeah, you got to tell us if you got the job. Although I'm assuming you didn't. 
<laughs> I perform best under pressure is the go-to in interviews. I am not success or I'm not proficient in Excel. That's the. Uh, I'm great in the job interview, but like getting the job interview, I, I've struggled. But I'm great at the, I'm great at the yeah. interviews. I mean, I would hope so. You would think anyone in the broadcast industry that's been around for a while would be mm -hmm. good at a job interview because our job is to speak BS. Yeah. yeah. But I used to just go to like random job interviews for jobs I'm nowhere qualified yeah. for. And I would just just to like practice doing interviews. Sir, this is a Wendy's. Yeah, and I I would actually got the job offers a lot, and I would I'd have to turn them down. It's like, look, I'm not qualified for this at all. Uh, but I, I I went out and practiced job interviews. Someone sent in the whole list. Good habit. Are you ready? Accomplished, proficient, results driven, <laughs> innovative, strategic, collaborative, detail oriented, oh, adaptable, proactive, influential. Okay, we got to go to break here though. We're, well, done. we're done. We're done. We're done. Uh, all right. That's good problem solving, Ben. Great stuff in the inbox. Real Appreciate all the help. Focus. we got to go to break. Uh, Canadians game on the way against Spokane. Coming up at 1 o'clock. Uh, Tyler Zickel with a call here on Sportsnet 650.